Welcome to the Underappreciated Movie Podcast, where four friends discuss movies that they love, but nobody else does. Hello. Welcome back. I'm Elaine. I'm Carly. John. Tony. Each of us has been beaten by our parents. No. <laughs> Each of us has been picked a specific movie genre. I have See, there's no context to that. <laughs> facts are facts. I have uh, science fiction fantasy. Uh, drama and romance. I have action adventure. We take turns selecting from our movie genre movies that, in our opinion, have not received the respect they deserve. You won't see any of these films. I was windexing. Top ten list, but maybe by list our podcast, you can give these films a second chance. Or first chance. Today's pick. <laughs> on the podcast. Is John's pick for my birthday. <laughs> That's right. It's another month of birthday shenanigans. Starting with Carly. You know what? It's, it's, a, it's a fun... We haven't had a birthday month since... February. Yeah. Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, I picked 2003's twos, mm-hmm. uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. So what this movie is, this is a, it's an adaptation of a cult memoir of a game show uh, person, Chuck Barris, played by Sam Rockwell, which he is a CIA hitman. Mm-hmm. What other movie did we do recently that was based on a possible true story? Fire in the sky. Yeah, fire in the sky. So it can't be the Conan that one. <laughs> that is also based on a true story. <laughs> I read that sacred hieroglyphs. Back when the oceans drank Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Right. Um, so this movie has a seven out of ten IMDb, a seventy nine percent of the old tomatoes that are rotten with a seventy five percent audience score. Mm. Mm-hmm. Metacritic is a whopping sixty seven. What? Ooh. I was like, how did he do this movie? Well, because on a $30 million budget, it made a whopping $33 million. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got this movie in. All right, so um, this was, wait a minute, hold on a second. I got to get to the right page here. Vamp a little bit. Um, vamp, 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 vamp. What are you doing? <laughs> vamp, 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 vamp. This what movie you, has shown up. On a few lists I've seen of underrated drama movies. Yeah. And I had a, somewhere on my phone is a screenshot of it so I can look further into it. Right. So I had, this movie was on my radar, but I hadn't watched it yet. So. Well, and, well you should have. <laughs> That's me vamping for you, John. Thanks. <laughs> so now here's the, the thing here. This movie was directed by a guy you may have heard of. His name is George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to The Path the Ghost. <laughs> Um, and some things you may know him from, uh, the Nespresso commercials. <laughs> Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, Your. Ocean's Thirteen. Uh, he was the on... The Facts Alive. Oh, <laughs> The God, Facts yeah. Alive. <laughs> I mean, if you don't know who George Clooney is by now, just fucking give up. But the writers of this movie are Chuck Barris, which you may know from The Gong Show, The Dating Game... The game, game, but not Hoot Nanny, because fuck that show. <laughs> and the screenplay by was by uh, Charlie Kaufman, who also wrote um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and nothing else I can think of. <laughs> this is starring. Welcome back to the podcast for I think it's his third or fourth time. Sam Rockwell, uh, Charlie's Angels, that weird movie with the moon. Is it called Moon? Called Moon. <laughs> All right, then, and it makes sense. Uh, the one Tony Mr. did. Mr. Wright. Mr. Wright. Oh, yeah, Mr. Wright. So this is his fourth time. Yeah, at <laughs> least. He also killed people in Mr. Wright. Mm-hmm. Not the way he kills people. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
also starring Drew Barrymore. Welcome back to the podcast from Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's all we have her for. But she was also in Scream. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we did Scream. We did Scream. Yeah. Did, yeah. did we do Scream? Yeah. 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 So, right. so this is your third time. Our third time. Third. George Klinberg talked about Julia Roberts. Welcome back to the podcast from, um, not Four Weddings and a Funeral, um, Notting Hill. And um, Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. Yes. Yeah, uh, but you also know her from Aaron Brockovich, and Pretty Woman, and Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. Oh yeah. <laughs> My colors are blush, blush and, and bashful. bashful. <laughs> Which still, anytime I mention something pink, John goes, "Well, is it bash, blush, or bashful?" And, also and di- then I have to guess whether I think that that shade of pink is closer to blush or closer to bashful. And she says I'm trying to figure out like which is really hard if it's like a hot pink or something like that. Yeah, mm. It's not really. Also in this movie we have Dick Clark who plays himself. Mm. You may know him from New Year's Rock and Eve. Yeah. Um, now Michael um, Sierra. Mm-hmm. Michael Sierra. Yeah, Welcome Sarah. Back. Welcome back to the podcast from Scott, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He played young uh, Chuck Barris. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Anybody else in here that you may have known? Old Maggie Gyllenhaal plays Debbie. You may know her from Welcome Dark Knight. Welcome back to the podcast. Than fiction. There you go. Oh, Sam Rockwell was also in Galaxy Quest. Oh, yeah. I feel right. like there was something else. Yeah, he's been in the um, and then oh, there's... He's in five now. He's in the five club. He gets, he gets a jacket. He gets a jacket. The one dude... Who's the casting director? He was in Thank You for Smoking. Hmm. Um, I can't remember his name. A lot Tony, of welcome backs. Tony recognized him too. <laughs> and yeah, most of the cast from Ocean's Eleven is in this. He's the guy from um, that Charlie Sheen show where he uh, is the Anger mayor. management. No, the other one, the where he's the mayor. Two and a half man. No, the he's old, a mayor. Spin oh, City. Spin City. Yeah. Oh, I love that show. Yeah. Actually, I liked the better when it was Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. Richard Carn? Are you talking yeah. about Richard Carn? That's him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He's a welcome back to the podcast, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, and then Rutger Howard. Rutger Howard is awesome. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> From Blind Fury. Lots of things. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Blade Runner. So, I have two reviews. Here's one from Tony hey. Medley. Not you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Tony says, Clooney directs this? How could it be any good? Ouch. <gasps> this movie is very stupid. I did not enjoy it at all. Oh. One out of ten. Wow. Then we have Russell R. Mm-hmm. He says, this is a great movie. I love movies that have some truth in the story, you know. At least ones that are, in quotation marks, based on a true story. Great cast, great performances by all. I picked this because he put in quotation marks the word based. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. lots of things are based on a true story. Like mm-hmm. fire in the sky. Mm-hmm. Lots of things. Troy. Conan. <laughs> Conan. All right, so what do you think going in, Carly? Tombstone. I've heard of it, and I've been meaning to watch it, so let's go. Wonderful. Elaine? <laughs> I was like, well, I told John he should pick this for Carly's birthday about 17,000 times, so. Now I don't have to remember this movie mm-hmm. anymore. Yep. Tony? This is a rare Sam Rockwell movie that I had not seen or heard of, so it's cool. Oh, wow. You hadn't even heard of it? Mm-mm. Wow. Well, How did this I, one get by you? It's hard because there's so many confessions. There's confessions of a shopaholic. And confessions like, of a teenage yeah, drama queen. like a million right? confessions. I was like, I, mean, I don't know if I heard it of it or not. Just like Once Upon a Time. Maybe <laughs> yeah. you were confusing it with Dangerous Minds with Michelle Pfeiffer. Maybe. Very possible. That's also a pretty good movie. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if it holds up, though. I haven't seen it in a while, so we'll see. Definitely a good song. That was part of that small, little-known niche um, category of uh, help teacher comes in yeah. to save the inner-city kids. Like the like, principal. Hmm. Like only the strong? Mm-hmm. 
and Substitute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both better movies than Dangerous Mind, by the way. Lean on me. Yo, um, lean on me is so good. And then Stand By Me, which has nothing to do with this, no. but... Mm. The faculty. Oh, wait, no, that's something different. <laughs> Guaranteed to jack you up. All right, so, so Miramax good. presents. We get the movie opens. And I was like, oh, I miss Miramax. <laughs> but do you miss uh, Sam Rockwell's ass? <laughs> well, because the first no, thing you I don't, see because I see it enough. is Sam Rockwell's ass, and he's standing there. And we get a... Uh, Butt booty naked. Yeah, naked Literally. Chuck Barris ass. Standing in front of a TV, we, get, we hear Ronald Reagan being sworn in. Movie opens with Dick Clark talking about Chuck Barris. And we have a voiceover. When you're young, your potential is infinite. You might do anything, really. You might be Einstein. You might be DiMaggio. Then you get to an age where you, where what you might be gives way to what you have been. You weren't Einstein. You weren't anything. That's a bad moment. Mm. And we learned this film was taken from the accounts, from different accounts throughout life and Chuck Barris' personal diaries. Based on a true story. Yeah. Uh, Penny comes to see Chuck at the hotel. She knocks on the door. He's naked and alone. She wants to take him back to California, but he really isn't into it. And she tells him that, you know, I can't wait forever for you to marry me. Well, actually, I can. And we get another voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> and we get another voiceover, letting us know that the setting is New York, 1981, where Chuck is paranoid and scared. He's got the whole Howard Hughes thing going on. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, somewhere in all of this paranoia and wondering, I decided I'd write down my story. So he does. Um, he talks about, you know, going back in the Wayback Machine. He remembers Tuvia. And he was 11 years old. Oh, Tuvia. He, um, well, what happened, Elaine? What did he do? He asked his sister's friend, Tuvia, if she would like to lick his penis. And she said, no. And he said, it tastes like strawberries. And she said, no, it fucking doesn't, you creeper. And he said, I bet it does. And apparently, I think he, what is he better? He He bets bets a dollar. He bets her a dollar that it does. And apparently she really wants a dollar. So she takes that bet and licks his dick. Old strawberry dick Paris. We all been there. So, what? I have not. I have <laughs> not been there. <laughs> I wish I could have had a picture what of the faces of her. What year was that? Did it say? Was it 81. The... No, no. No, no. He was, oh, yeah. he was... tell it 81, so he was 11 was years old. Was that the 30s? Oh. No, I put 40s? it 40s, 50s, somewhere around there. No, well, the, he was a grown-up in the 50s, because that's, when did the day... But he was an adult in the 60s, so... I don't we'll know. call it late 40s, early 50s. Yeah, I think it's well, after the war. I Why it was... does it matter? Because I thought that... Uh, Bird said he was born in the 20s. So then this would be late 30s, early 40s. Because a dollar was a lot of money back then. I certainly don't think it was worth licking Chuck Barris's dick. But a dollar was a lot of money back then. Oh, strawberry dick. That's what they now, call it. When I was a kid, I remember taking bets about like eating weird shit. and <laughs> uh, A penis is weird shit when you're yeah, 11. So maybe. Hi. So um, we cut to Chuck Barris, who's you know he's having a problem with the ladies. He just every time he tries, he just women don't really like him. We cut, we see him in the movie theater. He's trying to kiss a young lady. She's like, "Stop it, stop it." We all everybody else is making out. With everybody him. else is making out. He's like, with the Damn. one girl who won't make out with him. Well, sometimes you want to watch the movie. <laughs> Evidently, nobody else wants to watch the movie. 
Uh, we see him in, in the movie theater again. I don't know why. He keeps going to movies. But, and he tries the old trick from the diner with uh, Monkey Rourke. You ever see that? Yeah. He, he, puts his he puts his penis in the popcorn. Strawberry and the yeah. oh, popcorn. Because yeah, he bet his friends that I, I bet she touches it. Yeah. Anyway, and she he, cries and leaves. And he's yeah. like, well, that didn't work out the way I thought. Yeah. All right. Since he's having trouble with the ladies, of course, he starts getting into fights. So he's now he's getting into bar fights, too. Oh, Old Chuck Barris. He's got all that frustration. He's a rap scallion. <laughs> he's a little bit more than a rap scallion. He's mm-hmm. more of a rape scallion. He might be a sexual predator. <laughs> is uh, he though? Well, that strawberry thing. He's aggressive. <laughs> no, and no. Then the penis of the popcorn. Okay, she look. cried. <laughs> look here. Hey, you missed 100% shots. You don't take it, huh? Uh, she didn't have to take that bet. He was just putting it out there. And I'll grant you that it's not okay. I don't think the penis and the popcorn thing is okay, but that doesn't make you a sexual predator. That just makes you horny. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So as he gets thrown out of a bar, he sees a TV and he's like, you know what? This TV program inspires him. It's like TV, I heard, has got a big future. So he moves from Philly to New York. Big fucking move. Um, And he goes to NBC and he, he becomes a page. And we hear there's a, there's a certain actress that has a TV show. What was that actress's name? Rosemary Clooney. That's right, the aunt of the director. Ah. Mm-hmm. That's why she comes up a bunch. I wondered. They are related. I didn't. That, that is his her, <laughs> That's her singing, um, there's no business like show business over the end credits. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, now he's working for the, the station, and he's like, all right. And he hears two girls talking, and he's trying to figure out how to get women to like him. And we find out that one girl saying, "Hey, you know, you know, looks is good, but what you want is a real go-getter, you know, someone who's going places." And he's like, "All right, I can do that." And he goes and he finds uh, finds out they have a management trainee program. He's like, "Hey, um, I'd like to apply for that." He's like, All right, here you go, fill this out. He goes, "Hey, how many uh, applicants you had, including you? About two thousand. Print positions, five. five. <laughs> so he does like uh, you know anybody would do. He lies about his references, and he puts a vice president of the company." On his reference. So, of course, he gets picked up because, well, that's a good reference. Mm-hmm. They didn't check that reference? Apparently, they didn't call. Right. <laughs> They're like, or we man. can't bother him. With 2,000 <laughs> <with> two <laughs> applicants, <laughs> that would take a long time. And maybe they just don't want to bother the senior vice president. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so then he gets this girl, and he has what's known as the sex with her. Uh. And she's like, way to go, Mr. Management Trainee. And she's like, I love you, Chuck Barris. And he's like, oh, This is wonderful. I love the sex. The sex is good. Um, (laughs) So we cut to him coming home from work one day, and he's like, hey, I got fired today. And she's like, why'd you get fired? He's like, ah, efficiency cutbacks or whatever. I don't know. She's like, I'm pregnant. (laughs) He's like, you win. (laughs) You had a work day. So then we cut to him at a bar going, I can't stick around for a pregnancy. I'm going to be a somebody. I can't have a kid. Cuts back to her and she's yelling at her. What the hell did you get? How did you go get pregnant for? She's like, how do you ask me that? You got me pregnant. <clears throat> and she's like, he's like, well, fuck you. And she's like, well, fuck you. And then we cut That's back to the I bar. Got pregnant. Yeah. Then we cut back to the bar and he's like, you know, Carlisle says. And the guy's like, who's Carlisle? He goes, who the fuck am I talking to? You're a fucking idiot. The guy's like, fuck you. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> so then the guy knocks him There's out. There's a scuffle. Not much of a scuffle. The dude punches <laughs> him in the face and Chuck falls shit. down. A brief scuffle. Sure. All right. And then later on, we see him sitting there with a busted up face. She goes, oh, turns out I was just late. And then she leaves. 
Because you're not gonna stay in that relationship. No, that's <laughs> no. Some, some some stuff's gone down. Some just, stuff has yeah. been found out. <laughs> You've gone down a road you can't turn around. It's a one way street. You mm-hmm. see, ain't no going back from some of that. So we cut to Jay to Jay Morgan talking about the Gong Show and how Chuck was. You know, he was a really good guy. You know, I mean, he was a prick, but he was a really good guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we're back in 1961 in the city of Philadelphia. You know, he has. Worked some of these things out because now he's a minor suit for the um, for the station here, and his current job was to keep an eye on Dick Clark. Uh, he used to go to amusement parks and see all the the couples and wonder how to get that going. And he actually wrote a song about it, like here, here it goes. No, sorry, something else. It's called Palisade Park, and he's you know was a he's happy about it, and he's on the the, the set here, and I really like this. Mm-hmm. So on like the monitor, you see the actual TV show with like young Dick Clark, the actual Dick Clark on there. Mm-hmm. And then when you see like the live that you would see, it's just fuzzy enough to where it looks like a him. But they use actual footage. Very good. Way to go, George. I enjoy that instead mm-hmm. of like reshooting it and having yeah. the actors play these people. Uh-huh. They just took the actual footage. That's cool. Yeah. So then he finds Maggie Gyllenhaal who plays Debbie. And he's like, hey, how you doing? You know, I wrote this song. Uh, it's number three in the pop charts. And she's like, uh-huh. He goes, yeah, I'm gonna take my my royalties and I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot a pilot. You see, a pilot's what they call a test TV program. She's like, I work in TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have to explain to me how TV works. <laughs> Evidently, she's not impressed with him, or is she? Because the next thing you see is he's on top of her and he's doing what the kids like to call snacking. Is that right? No. No. <laughs> the kids, I think, call the that shipping? smashing. Smashing. But I'm pretty sure that we call it the hibbity dibbity. That's it, the hibbity dibbity. And she has got the look on her face like, nope, I'm not enjoying this. She's catching the hominatra. Yeah. <laughs> She's thinking, did I leave the think. stove on? <laughs> but she is super not into this. But he finishes, but and they both. Super doesn't care. Nope. No. But he finishes, and they both start smoking. All right, so more uh, more Sam Rock ass, mm-hmm. and he's like, at Do you smoke after sex. He's like, I never check, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, now Nick, okay? Nick, Nick, Chuck Barris is at the fridge. And in walks the roommate. It's you, Penny. You, you need to get used to naked Chuck Barris. <laughs> yeah. Imagine George Clooney calls him because he's like, "Hey, the only person I want to play this role is you," and he's like. Great. And he goes, you're naked for most of the movie. <laughs> oh. What? <laughs> and Sam Rockwell goes, perfect. He goes, We're gonna, Sam Rockwell goes, do I get to dance? I yeah. got a nice then butt. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really dance. Yeah, he does. He dances a gong show. times. Uh, yeah. I mean, a couple Actually, of times, but it's not, not like dance sequences. He dances on the scene of the gong show a couple times, and at the end where he's getting, yeah. before he gets married. Not like his, you know, usually he has yeah. like a dance scene. This he just it's not a dance number. Not like Charlie's Angels where he changes his yeah. clothes and he's like, yeah. hey. or Mr. Uh, Mr. Like, Wright. I want to watch yeah. that scene because that's... that's. I think that might be my favorite Sam Rockwell dancing scene. Uh, the one in Moon was pretty good, too. The one in Mr. Wright was good, too. Yeah, that was pretty good. They're all good. Beats that guy up in the parking lot while yeah. he's dancing. <laughs> uh, give, me a, give me a bad Sam Rockwell dance mm. scene. Well. Dude, is there just a YouTube a video that's a compilation of Sam Rockwell <laughs> dancing? Yes. Probably. Yes. I, I might need it. to put that in my favorite selection. I, I've seen it. I think there's more than one. <laughs> um, all right. So anyway, she's at the fridge and in comes Penny and she's like, hey, how are you? And he's like, oh, I'm here with Debbie. She's like, yeah, I figured. He's like, <laughs> You're not here with me. <laughs> he's just standing at the fridge naked, <laughs> leaning on the she's door. She's like, hey, you hungry? He's like, no, not really. She's like, you want a drink? And he's like, yeah, sure. So he's standing there, but like... 
putting his stuff behind the door yeah. so she can't see it. So she reaches around the door to where his junk would be, grabs some drinks, and is like, oh, here you go. Hey, have sex with Debbie. I've always wanted to know. And he's like, oh, it's good. He's like, oh, yeah, I just got, I forget what she says. I, I got like, she just got done having sex with this uh, black guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She, she calls, some kind of reference. And she calls him a... a Something. A, a, um, she calls him a Negro hipster. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm really into the brotherhood of man. It's like she's she goes, got categories. She's yes. like, what are you? He's like, Jew. He goes, I've had one of those. <laughs> and she's she like, goes, you look like an Oscar Nazi. She's like, Oscar Nazi. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, whatever. That's what I said, Oscar Nazi. <laughs> It's like, no. Yeah, yeah you don't, no, don't mix no, that up. No. That's bad because this is like the 60s. Yeah. They're probably not not a good time for that. But anyway. Found her. So she says, we could ball if you want. He's like, I'm here with your roommate. He's like, I just, I don't think that would be right. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay, sorry. But, you know, still. <laughs> it's out there. But they didn't ball then because the very next scene is a montage of them balling. Yeah. A lot. Like, a lot. And yeah. we never see Debbie again, I don't think. Um, You get like a cameo of Debbie, <laughs> but that's it. Debbie wasn't into it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and Penny's is special. <laughs> something. Um, so we get, they're boning to the sounds of Palisade Park. And now we get the, the flip on the other side now. Penny and, what are you doing? She was wondering what that is. You rub it, it's an uh, anxiety thing. It's a I thought it, strip. It's I thought it was phone. a magnet, but it's more like a sticker. No, yeah. it's a sticker. But I've, I've actually seen those, and now that you say that, that makes perfect sense. Okay. Anyway, so now Penny and Chuck are making out in the movie theater. They're the only ones making out. Everybody else is watching the movie, so it's like a circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the gross <laughs> couple in the city that you're like, oh, my God, I sat behind the gross people. We need to move. Yeah. They wouldn't stop making out the whole movie. And it's probably wet and loud. <laughs> anyway. It's not the grossest makeout scene in the movie, though. We'll get to it. <laughs> okay. All right. So we cut to Penny, and now she's in the bath, and she's talking to Chuck about her dream. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my God. And she's like, what's wrong? He's like, nothing. I'm just not really into this whole kind of thing. And she's like, hey, I'm not into that kind of thing either, be- between cats and chicks. And I was just trying to tell you about my dream. And he's like, holy shit. This gives him an idea, an idea for a show about the bullshit of dating. It's called a dating game. And then we cut out because he's describing it. They zoom in. So as they zoom out, it's him pitching the uh, the idea to Jerry Weintraub. Welcome back to the podcast from Ocean's Eleven. Mm. Mm-hmm. He's got to be friends with Clooney. There's no other reason for him to be. And he's like a big time guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway. You don't think George Clooney's a big time guy? Yes, but it's his movie. But you don't think George Clooney is a big time guy who could get big time guys to come be in his movies? He has cameos from Brad Pitt and George uh, and um, Matt Damon. I know they did it unpaid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Drew Barrymore and Julia Roberts, Roberts took scale. Yeah, because they were both getting like big money. Yeah. And this is common knowledge. Did we talk about this in Ocean's Eleven? Probably. Because they gave her twenty bucks. Because they're like, hey, I hear you get twenty a picture now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, so um, out, we we cut to Chuck Barris outside. Outside of the studio, and he's dancing. Woohoo! Woohoo! They bought it! They bought it! And Penny shows up out of nowhere because, sure. And he's like, they fucking bought it! And she's like, oh, great! He goes, hey, let's go celebrate. No, let's go roller skating and celebrate. She's like, I can't have a date. She's like, all right, whatever. She's and like, you, call me later. Because they're friends with benefits, basically. <laughs> like, sh- they have an open relationship. Yeah. yeah. 
And we cut and we see Jim Bird standing in the back there, who's George Clooney now. All right. And we have a montage of the show being made and um, about, you know, hey, you got to get it together. And they shoot the pilot. And now we cut back to Jerry Wantrop, who they're going over shows and Dating Game doesn't get picked up. He's like, yeah, they didn't pick it up, but they picked up a show called Hoot Nanny. Hoot Nanny. Hoot fucking Nanny. That show didn't do so well. I never heard of it, so. It wasn't a Hoot Nanny. Well. It wasn't a good time? I looked it up I years mean, ago. I'm like, what the fuck is Hoot Nanny? It was on like a season or two. You would think that Hoot Nanny implied it'd be a very good time. It was the Hoot Nanny. <laughs> I think we should bring it back. They're bringing back everything. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. All right, so we cut to Penny. He's trying to cheer up Chuck, who's in his um, his apartment now, and he's on the phone with his sister, Phoebe. And she's in there, and, you know, he didn't get picked up, and she's like, oh, don't worry about it. You're going to be okay. And he's on the phone like, bitch, I'm on the phone. Mm-hmm. She puts some sunglasses on him, and then we hear, "Why, you know, Tuvia. Why would I have heard from Tuvia? And Penny's like, who's Tuvia? And he points to the, the fireplace and looks at He has a picture of Tuvia on his fireplace from when she's 11 years old. <laughs> you creepy bastard. She's like, oh, your niece. And he, look, she gave him a great sexual awakening. You don't keep a picture. I mean. Where did he get the you picture? You don't pick, keep her picture. I don't keep her picture. But this was very impactful on Chuck's whole dating life. Well, Chuck goes to see her. Because Tuvia got divorced. And we see Tuvia has a baby. And he knocks on the door. And she's like. Who are you? And he's like, Tuvia, it's me, it's Chuck. And he's and she goes, oh, well, Strawberry Dick Barris. <laughs> what the fuck you want? What do you want? He's like, well, I thought we can go out for a, you know, get yeah. some bite. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? And shuts the door. He still, I mean, apparently, she was his one true love. He keeps a picture of her on the fireplace. He went to her house when he found out she was divorced and in town. He really, truly loves Tuvia. <laughs> and she really, truly doesn't. No. <laughs> His penis must have tasted awful. She said strawberries. No, that was that that. So that was not, the ruse. Is a ruse. Mm. All right. So we cut the Gene Gene the dance machine, and he says, you know, he's one of those guys that you know he'd want on his side if they were in a street fight. <laughs> it's like Chuck Bears. All right. So we cut the Chuck getting his well, ass. If we if we believe his if story. we believe Chuck Barris, then yes, a mm. hundred fucking percent. Hundred percent. Secret assassin. I would like you in my back pocket if I was in a street fight. Yep. All right. So we cut to Chuck, and he's getting his ass kicked in bar fights, and we see uh, Jim is there watching him get. He's eating, <laughs> like not not paying no mind. <laughs> All right. So we're outside of the bar, and Jim says, "I could teach you how to kill a man with a single blow," and he's like. <coughs> he calls him a derogatory thing. He says, I've seen you watching me. And he uses a, a gay slur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't care to repeat it. But, he off- but Jim offers to buy him lunch. And he's like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so they're talking and he's like, you know, um, they, at lunch they talk. But Chuck's like, okay, so what is this job that you're offering? And Jim's like, hey, it's problem solving work. Chuck finds out that this is CIA. He's like, what is it, CIA? And he's laughing and being all that. And he goes, I'd appreciate some discretion. And he's like, holy shit, is this the CIA? <laughs> he's like, fuck yeah, I'm interested. Where do I sign up? <laughs> he's like, well, you wouldn't actually be in the CIA. You'd be an independent contractor. All right. And he's like, all right. So we cut to Chuck at the government training facility, otherwise known as the farm. We know that from the movie, mm-hmm. the recruit with um, 
Colin Farrell. It's a mm-hmm. great movie. Have I done that yet? No. Mm-hmm. Should I do that? I think I need to watch that again. See what I would vote no. <laughs> Spoilers. But, I don't know. You watch that a lot. I like that movie. I haven't seen it in a while. I know. You know why? Because we have it on DVD and I'm too lazy to actually take things out of DVD cases now. I know. <laughs> it's got Al Pacino in it. It does have Al Pacino in it. Colin Farrell, it's Al Pacino. Better. You said great movie and then you said Colin Farrell. I was like, mm, great movie? It also has um, that girl who was, oh, I can't remember her name. She was in Coyote Ugly. Mm-hmm. Maria Bella? No. No. She was in um, Blue Bloods. She plays... Hold on, I'll find it. Continue with your Chuck Barris okay. story. So Chuck Barris is at the training facility, and the instructor is like, you can kill a man by striking him in the throat. And there's a guy standing behind him, and he karate chops him in the neck. He's like, ah! Bridget Monaghan. That's her. Oh, okay. I yelled really loud. That. I got excited. <laughs> anyway. So uh, the instructor's like, shit, I killed him. Uh, I need a volunteer. Yeah. I need another volunteer. And he's like, mm. So Chuck's sitting there, and he meets with Jim, and he's like, what is this that you have me doing? He's like, kill people. Yeah. Two of the recruits are named... Um, I got that. We're going to get oh, there. No, okay. We're, we'll get there. I won't chop your flavor then. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> so the voiceover is, uh, we get there, and Chuck decides he's going to kill people for the CIA and call it patriotism. Sure. So right yeah. there, we, uh, we see that he's a good shot, um, and he appears to be a good assassin. Um, we get the... Hey, interrogation scene where it's like, hey, you hook a car battery to somebody's <laughs> testicles. You put them straight to the testicles. They'll ask you anything. Are you now a member of the Communist Party? What is your Aunt Hillary's recipe for vodka cookies? Ha ha ha. Like, this is not fun. I don't feel like you would get the truth if you jump-started somebody's testicles. Um, I feel like that is the problem with torture. I will tell you anything if you put... A car bat, a electrical device up against my genitalia. Yeah, I go. I refer to Reservoir Dogs, where mm-hmm. you go to for all of your 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 knowledge. It's Godfather yes. and uh, Reservoir yeah. Dogs. <laughs> so they have the cop and they're beating him, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We got to find out what he, you know, what he knows. He's going to give us information." And Chris Penn's like, "You keep you beating you. this prick. He's going to tell you he started the Chicago Fire. It doesn't mean it's fucking so." Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. The Chicago Fire was started by O'Leary's cow. Sure. All right. So that's the theory. And we have um. So during this interrogation scene, we see that Chuck is doodling, and he gets another idea. And it's it's a husband with um, things on his testicles being shocked, and his wife is staring there, and he's got an idea. It's called the newlywed game. Mm-hmm. After, when I first saw this, I was like, "Did he do all of these shows?" Yeah. And you look back, you're like, "He damn sure did." Look at that. Ain't. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, at the end of training, we see Chuck's, Chuck say goodbye Chuck? to Jack. Yes, him too. We he <laughs> say goodbye to Jack and Lee. Who are they, Elaine? Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby. This is, you know, one of those inside things yeah. that it was uh, the CIA killed Kennedy. Now, and during the scene, one of the scenes where they're doing the How to Make Nitroglycerin, they have their names on their shirts, and one of them is Ruby, and the other one is uh, Harvey. Wow, I didn't even pick you know, up Oswald. on that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you have to know it's there and then look for it. Yeah. <laughs> but I wonder if that is something they put in in the movie, just as a dig to... The CIA? The CIA. Could be. Or if that's something that was in... His Chuck's memoir. I'm not yeah. then, interested enough to read his memoir, but I am interested enough to just let the thought cross my mind. Yeah. All right, so at graduation, he meets up with Jim and they head out. 
And we cut to Jay Morgan again, talk about Chuck's. Chuck used to do things like, uh, you know, he would disappear and, and things. No, no. He says, uh, Chuck things. She knows things about Chuck. Things that you wouldn't want to know. All right. So we see Chuck and he's on his first assassination. It's exciting. He's like, okay. Uh, Jim tells him he's now, uh, you know, he's like, I don't want to kill people. He goes, look, you don't kill people. You don't go home. You don't, you've seen behind the curtain. You've got to finish this, okay? Because he's like, yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's not bad in like a real sense. He's bad for you, right? Jim, he goes, look, you're now a patriotic citizen of the United States of Jim Bird, okay? He's bad for me, which means you're going to do it. If you don't kill him, you, you're, well, we're going to fucking, me? you're welcome. We're going to kill you too. <laughs> and we cut back to Tony's favorite scene. I know it is. It's 1981 and it's a naked Chuck Barris. Oh, hey. And this is our third uh, Sam Rockwell ass in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> prison wallet in all its glory no there's a scene with the prison wallet we'll get that's to that right. later that's right alright so alright so then we're uh, we're back to the plane ride um on his first assassination he's getting ready to do the old thing um we see that he does in fact kill the guy as as instructed <coughs> bless you Excuse me, it you. doesn't seem to go well it, it, it has a few, little bit of a snap. which is the first time. He's a little nervous. Some makeups. But at the end of the day, bad guy's dead. He goes home. And we see him puking in his apartment. And Penny comes in, and he's like, for some reason, Penny has just moved in. And she's like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I've been staying here. Okay? okay. <laughs> he's like, where have you been? He's like, Mexico. And he's throwing up. And she's like, oh, you shouldn't drink the water, did you? And he's like, Yeah. So you got to take a shower with your ma- eyes and with mouth your eyes, closed. Yeah, you got my mom. Ma- she calls it Mafazuma or something. He's like, Montezuma. <laughs> I was like, She's oh. She's very, a very flaky free spirit. Yeah. Well, that goes to the next thing. It's like, oh, where you been? It's like, I was in San Francisco. I'm hippie now. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to love everybody and we're going to change the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for some reason, while Chuck is puking, he has a gun in his hand. And he has to, like, hide it from Penny. Because he heard somebody in the apartment, and he just got done assassinating someone. He's a little paranoid. So he's a little paranoid that maybe they're going to come kill him now. Yeah. So he hides the gun behind the radiator, which probably is not a good idea either, but whatever. Um, It'll do in a pinch. It'll do in a pinch. And then he goes and he sees his wall, and he's like, wait a minute. What'd you do to my wall? She painted peace symbols and little birds on it and everything. And he's like... Great. <laughs> he goes, will you come down to San Francisco be my old man? I mean, not that old. <laughs> and he's like, uh, oh, I forgot to tell you, you had a call while you were gone. Uh, gold something? Goldberg? Goldberg? Larry Goldberg? Holy shit. So he calls him up. Larry Goldberg is um, Jerry Wantrop. So now we'll call him Larry Goldberg the rest of the movie. How about that? And he's like, hey, um, looks like we have an afternoon slot available for your baby. And he's like, my baby? Like, you know, the dating game. Can you get it together in six weeks? He's got six weeks. Yes. Yes, I can. He goes, all right, call me when you get to L.A. Will do. Mm-hmm. Hangs up, and he starts dancing. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Oh, then he's like got the rumbling the old tum-tum. <laughs> and he has to go throw up again. All right, so we cut to him shooting the dating game, and everything's going really great. There's really interesting, hard-hitting questions, like... It's raunchy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't believe he didn't recognize they wouldn't put this on TV. <laughs> Daytime TV. Things like, you know, what's your heritage? And he's like, well, my father's Welsh and my mama's Hungarian. So it gets me I'm well hung. 
If you were a trombone and I blew you, what would you sound like? Ooh. That one went on for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> it did go way too long. I would and not pick that back. <laughs> so, <laughs> speaking of too he long. He didn't have a bad voice, but still. <laughs> I would not pick him. That went way too long. So he's pitching this to the station and... Um, Larry Goldberg is like, oh, Jesus. And one of the other guys is like, we cannot have black men getting blowjobs on TV. And, and like, Goldberg's like, does it like, matter that they're black? He goes, it doesn't matter that he's black. It matters he's getting a blowjob. Yeah. He's and like, well, that's a valid point. Chuck's like, it's unscripted. It's fresh. It's hint. I can't control, I can't what, they control say. what people say. Yeah. He goes, look, you're going to have to change this or we're not going to be able to do business. So then we cut to Chuck modifies the show a bit. And do you recognize who the, the compliance officer is? No. It's the guy that taught him how to kill people. Yep. One of the instructors from the farm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. It's the guy who made the nitroglycerin. <laughs> Which is funny. Which I didn't That's catch why that guy's for years. And then I finally so caught one. It was ridiculous. Like, oh. <laughs> that so guy is not, does not work for the FCC. They line, <laughs> they line up the contestants. They're like, all right, um, before we get started... You, know, you have to hear this from the FCC, which I bet they probably actually do. Yes, and this guy I'm gives sure a, they long, didn't use this dude, <laughs> a long speech about how it's illegal. And if you do it, I will personally drive you down to the prison. In violation. And there's a Would long you like time. to hear that speech? It's just, you and me. Yeah. Nobody. Do you really, do you have it saved or something? Well, it's in the, it's one of the lines that's in the. Can you do the voice? Um, can you try? I don't know. I, think, I would rather not, I don't think. I think you should try it. I don't know if any of you are aware of this, but it's a federal offense to make lascivious remarks on a television network broadcast. The penalty for this disgusting, un-American behavior is one year in prison. Or a $10,000 fine. Or both! Anyone making a sick or subversive remark tonight will be arrested immediately. I then will personally escort the offender to federal prison for booking under Edict Number 364 of the Broadcasting Act of 1963. And it's a long drive to that prison, baby. Just you and me. No witnesses. Did I do it good enough? <laughs> not bad, not bad. But you, at, the, at the end there, you had to get one. So you get rid of just you and me. Not you and me. You and Just me. you and me. There you go. No witnesses. <laughs> you and I. What do you think this guy's reaction would have been to Cardi B's performance at the Grammys? I don't care. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't care. They had women scissoring on TV. I don't feel it's necessary to ever talk about Cardi B's. So I don't know. I, I go with that. It was lascivious. I don't anyway. care. All right. So now we've modified the game a bit, and um, where am I? I have the I had a modified version of the speech, but yours was much better than what I have written down. Mm. Okay. So then, anybody ever watched a dating game when they were like homesick? Mm-hmm. Nice to watch. Yeah. I used to watch game. it. I, yeah. I like that. Ep- there was one episode that where they had a legit serial killer on it, and the girl uh, picked him, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. didn't go on the date. Nice. And later, they found out that he was a fucking real serial killer, and he had killed people. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's yeah. upsetting. Yeah. All right, so we cut the Jim Lang host of the, of the Newlywed Game, and he's talking about working with Chuck, and Chuck was a real pain in his. So it turns out the show's a hit, 
And he is now feeling the pressure, and they want him to move the dating game to prime time. They got to pump it up, mm. make it edgy. And he's like, well, shit, how do I do that? <laughs> so he cu- goes to his set, and he's walking around trying to figure out what's going on. And we pass the set. So if you remember the set, we have mm-hmm. the the bachelor or bachelorette person. It's from here. <laughs> it, yeah, it, all right, same thing as Moritz. <laughs> but as he walks by, there's no one in the chairs. Yeah. And as he comes back, Jim Bird's sitting in one of the chairs, bachelor number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a second suitor. Yes. What are going to be suitor number two? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like shit. <laughs> now I want to watch Mall Rats. Okay. All right. So um, Chuck tells Jim that you know, hey, I don't need to kill people anymore. I'm on a su- I have a successful TV show, and, and Jim tells him, you don't kill people because you have to. Okay. Let's just say we'll make it a hobby. You'll be a murder enthusiast. <laughs> And he gives Chuck an idea for the Danny game. He goes, you know what would make this better? Um, you do is you send the, the winners off on a faraway date. And maybe you do a little business for us while you're there. You go <laughs> on the chaperones. What are you doing It's like, oh, great. Um, so he gets to kill people. Because who doesn't want to do that? Me. <laughs> oh, just, just Carly. Everybody always says like, the same thing. Like, I would love to be a government assassin. A it's like, would you really? enthusiast. I know. You see, you say that because you're like you're like, oh, I would just go kill someone and go home. But chances are, you're gonna get caught and get killed too. Yeah. <laughs> or I you're feel like a car with kids in it or yeah. something terrible. I don't want to kill people. I think if it was necessary, I could. I've never killed. But someone. I don't want to assassinate anyone. I've never killed someone. That you know, everybody's like, oh, I can kill someone. I was like, can you really just take another life? That's probably really hard to do. I feel like I don't I want to. Could, but I don't want to find out. Hmm. I definitely wouldn't do it as an assassination or for money or for a job. But in a life or death situation, if I had to, I do believe I could. I, have, I guess I have this, you know. But I might be totally wrong. As we discussed on our Fire in the Sky episode, you can say all you want about how you would have gotten out of the truck and rescued your friend. But until you're really faced with an alien aircraft, you don't know what the fuck you would do. That's true. I, I threw up on the first one. Would you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we cut to the game in progress and we see it. See our true romance episode. A gentleman in focus. Um, where am I here? All right, so we cut to the game show. And we see some people there, um, and he's kind of a not really attractive guy. And the woman keeps asking him questions. It's like, hey, well, what about this? What about this? And we see the other two contestants, and those two contestants are known as contestant Brad <laughs> and contestant Matt. Mm-hmm. They were just walking by one day and put a wig on, and George was like, hey, you guys came by for lunch. Put this on and sit down. Okay, good enough. And then they all I'm went sure to lunch. that's not how that went down. It, they probably had lunch. I'm sure they had many lunches. They, no, we probably mm-hmm. called and said, hey, I want you guys to have a cameo in my movie. What do we got to do? Nothing. Just Maybe they said, maybe he said, I'm going to direct my first movie. And they said, ooh, do you want us to cameo? Could be. That'd be fun. Because Matt Damon is huge for cameos. I love Matt Damon cameos. Mm-hmm. I feel like he just really likes to do cameos. Yeah. You think he just hangs around studios going, hey. Hey. Just walks on set. <laughs> no, I'm sure once he has hey, a you want reputation me to do cameo? for doing cameos, everybody probably calls him. Hey, man, I we've think been I read sure. once that his wife is a makeup artist. Oh, yeah. maybe that's movies. why he does so many cameos. So maybe he just maybe he likes to cameo in her, the movie she does yeah. as a, yeah. Yeah. As a makeup artist. I think I read a thing where it was like stars that are married to regular people, and he she's not a regular it. person. Yeah, but she's not famous. <laughs> <laughs> I know Brad Pitt did a cameo for Deadpool 2. And yeah. And they paid him with a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was his fee. It was a cup of coffee. You know, sure. There you go. And Matt Damon was in that, too. Yeah. He, <laughs> but he got, like, full get-up and everything. Yeah, yeah. We should watch Deadpool 2. I'd rather not. 
What about Once Upon a Deadpool? I don't want to watch that. Which movie. she bought me and I've watched once. And I've loaned it to people because they're like, oh, I want to see that too. You watch it once, you're like, yeah, I'm going to watch the other one. Because <laughs> it's cool just, to see Fred Savage tied down to a bed and to watch Deadpool, but it's not as good with the cursing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like Deadpool too. Too many references to a prison wallet. It's like one. One is too many. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not one. Mm. It's many. All right. So anyway, let's get back to the dating. That lesson. dude is forever prison wallet kid. Yeah. I watched Godzilla vs. King Kong, and guess who's in it? Prison Wallet Kid. <laughs> Prison Wallet Kid was in it. Yes. And they, Elaine liked that movie. She's the one. In the super secret high-tech facility where these three people just keep fumbling their way through all the security? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. All right, so we cut to the date where she did, in fact, pick that homely-looking dude, and mm-hmm. she's ignoring him. And he's and that guy's bugging Chuck. I was like, Chuck, she's ignoring me. Why would she ignore me, Chuck? You are sure you got to tell her. You got to tell That's her. It's your job. It's your job, Chuck. You got to do it. And we cut to the unknown comic talking about, uh, you know, Chuck's got a dark side. You got to watch out for Chuck's dark side. <laughs> then they take him on their date to East Berlin. Helsinki. Oh, Helsinki. Oh, yeah, that's Helsinki. Mm-hmm. This is Helsinki. All right, so we cut back to Helsinki where um, Chuck gets to get away from the, these 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 kids. Thank God he finally gets to go murder somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to meet another operative there. And they have the little code words that they do. And he finds a girl, because the girl's supposed to have her leg hanging out of the booth. Mm-hmm. She's a girl hanging out with a leg hanging out. He's like, hey, can I sit down? She's like, sure. And he's like, Helsinki's nice this time of year. She's like, it sure is. And he's like, whoops. Hold on a second. <laughs> he looks out, and he sees another girl with a foot hanging out. And he's like, I'm sorry. And just leaves. <laughs> and then he goes, and he sees another uh, another young lady. And he does the same thing. Hey, it's Julia Roberts. Everybody's in this movie. 250 grand. That's all she got for this. And I'm like, all? But Give me 250 grand for, for yeah. like a well, year's what, worth of hard right. work and I'm going to be fucking happy. Right, but she also, what is she? She did her filming in six days. Yeah, I was going to say. She made 250 grand in six days. Uh, Sean Connery got paid a million dollars for Highlander and he was on it for a week. <laughs> See, I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, Ice-T got, what, 70 grand for Tank Girl. But that was well. I am the lost ones. Yeah, I can be Sean Connery. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> I don't know what Cameron Diaz got paid for fucking Shrek movies, but it's ridiculous, I'm sure. I'm well, I know Julia Roberts around this time is getting $20 million a movie. Yeah, yeah. $20 million. I know it's like, what's well, not Yeah, really but that's that much. when she headlines a movie and it's and she's and on like, set every day for like six months. Yeah. This, she's, you know, a week. Well, this was a friend thing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you get Brad Pitt to be in your movie. Well, you better have a help. Apparently, bunch of you. Or be friends with him. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, you just offer him a cup of coffee. Well, like, you know. I guess if you're bored and have nothing else to do. Anyway, so look, it's Julia Roberts, and her name is like, well, what do I call you? She's like, Olivia. All right, great. And they seem to, they flirt a little bit, and they get their information about the hit. All right, so now we're, we're on the and hit. There's, it's more than a hit. There's also, he's picking up a microfiche. Microfilm, not microfiche. Microfiche. No, microfiche is flat, and never mind. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm being it doesn't matter. All right, so we're on the hit. Chuck gets over with the guy, and he, they exchange. He gets the microfilm. He gives him the mm-hmm. money. He's like, hey, we wouldn't short you. Pulls out a gun and sticks it in his face. <laughs> and here, oh! And he goes, oh, sorry about your teeth. <laughs> and he goes, pop, 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 pop. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And he kills him. Kills the shit out of him. And then he walks by, and we see the annoying contestant. He's just standing there, and he puts the gun in the back of his head. And you're like, oh, he's going to shoot this motherfucker. No, he doesn't. But he doesn't. You'd have to explain how this guy got killed under his watch. Mm-hmm. He should have been in, in the hotel room asleep. 
He was walking around the mean streets of Helsinki. I can't do nothing for you. Are the streets of Helsinki mean? I don't. <laughs> I don't know anything about Helsinki now or anything about Helsinki. I know then. it's in Finland. It's just fun to say no, Helsinki. It's probably cold in the winter. I mean, it's probably chilly in the summer. I did think it was funny. They were like, "Take go on these fancy dates to these places. Luxurious. They're all like, freezing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Which makes you wonder, because it would be easy to fact check if they went to East Berlin for this, which I'm sure they must have. They did. So why? Why would they ever pick that? It actually... I mean, I don't know if that makes his story true, but it does lead, it gives it some credence it wouldn't otherwise have, because there's no way they would want to send them to East Berlin for other... Florida or (laughs) Mexico or somewhere warm where people actually want to go. (laughs) All right, so we cut to Chuck in the hotel room, and he's got to put the old microfilm somewhere. So he gets out the old Vaseline. And he puts it in the old prison wallet. Mm-hmm. He, he's Tony like, goes, we're looking at his butt. Why, why is he naked from the waist down? There's like, oh, he's just in the prison wallet. <laughs> Tony got I, I don't know if I was quite that excited. Because <laughs> the way I see it, you're on the couch might, and you're like leaning on the edge. Holy shit, he's yeah. going in the bath door. Probably might be exaggerating. And then we see him walk out of the hotel room, wash, you know, drying his hands on a towel. After he cleaned up after that. So he's got the film in. That seems like the kind of thing you do right before you got on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not like... You don't want to walk around with that. Maybe he wanted to make sure he could sit. Oh, he or was doing a test run. maybe he was run. afraid somebody was going to come after him for it. Yeah. Mm. Well, anyway, he comes out of the bathroom and he's washing up. Mm-hmm. And um, Olivia's there. You know, he has a visitor. Mm-hmm. And we find that her name is actually Patricia. Mm-hmm. But is it really Patricia? We don't know. They chat for a bit, and they're, you know, they're hitting it off. And she knocks off all the stuff on the table, and he climbs up the table, and they start doing the old kissing. And then she licks his face. A lot. Tony goes, why is she licking him? <laughs> no, no, you say that's the creepiest part. I say when he goes, I have to go to the bathroom, take some care of something real quick, and she goes, leave the microfilm in. That's not, I mean, that's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> so is licking his face. <laughs> Uh, but, I mean, that's the you grossest kissing we've seen in a while. <laughs> She's like, it tastes like strawberries. <laughs> we have seen some gross kissing on this podcast, and that is the grossest kissing I've seen in a while. What was the gross kissing? It was Jack Frost in the shower. Remember? Oh. Oh. I try not like to. Like, he opened his mouth and, and put his tongue in her mouth, and you could tell she was like, uh, is this what we're supposed to be doing? <laughs> <laughs> we've seen some gross kissing in this. Ugh. I don't really want to that watch Jack Frost tongue kissing anybody. Was that Jack Maybe Frost Maybe it was Jack Frost too. When they were on vacation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were about to have the vacation right. sex. And then poor, poor Sharon Stone is naked as shit in the specialist in the bath in the shower. No, oh. well, that was she was into that as much as she was getting groped by everybody on the fucking set. Yeah. So. Look, she was n- not into any of that. I felt probably very not. upset for her that whole movie. She, probably <laughs> she had, was into none of that. Poor Sharon Stone. She got fucking groped and prodded the entire movie. I never yeah. felt so bad for someone in my life. <laughs> if I see her today, I'm like, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> I'm sorry. But mm. this... I mean, some some people like a little bit of butt Face play, licking. so maybe the microfiche wasn't that weird. No, but, I mean... But the licking? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would just say it's a Look, poorly Licking faces is a thing. Chevy beans. Chase sang a song about it in Caddyshack. I was born to love you. I was born to lick your face. Ooh, I was born to love you. I was born to lick me first. 
Those are the words. Rangers in my pants. I... Right. We'll just make a deal right It's just gross. We will not lick each other's faces. <laughs> I don't lick anyone's face. <laughs> she's sleeping just all the time. The dog licks my face all the time. I've licked John's face. It's funny. Mm. All right. So <laughs> we're back being in... being rude, I'll just come up and go... Lick his cheek. You've done that to me. You know I hate that. So now you're like, oh, the truth comes out, Carly. Yeah. You're so like, don't ever. Let's just promise that. never to yeah. lick each other's no, you face. Do, the you've whole done time, Carly's doing that. I think I have done it to piss him yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> in a sexual way, but yeah. in a way that so we're See, now that we know cool. she lies, we know that <laughs> we know that maybe Tony wasn't. Ooh, he brought up the pizza wallet <laughs> for like ten minutes. It may be some like, stretching of the truth. I've had today than I've had in a month. <laughs> <laughs> so not just your, an- your anus was stretched on that yeah, one, eh? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> hot cha 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 Speaking of anus, Uh-oh. we're back in the States now, and Chuck yes. sits down with Jim and another government official. Mm-hmm. And the government official's like, hey, I do believe this where's is, my microfilm? He goes, it's up my ass. Jim's you want to go boss. up and get it? <laughs> yeah, it is Jim's boss. And it doesn't go well. Like, fucking Chuck, for some reason, is giving this guy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, how about a little too be fair guy, he has a microphone. Because the guy is like, hey, could you not involve your contestants in our assassination shit? He almost caught you. And Chuck's like, go fuck yourself. Get the this fuck is up. what I was told to do. This is how I'm getting all these places that you can't fucking go fuck off. And I like the line. He's like, where's my microphone? He goes, it's up my ass. Why don't you go get it? <laughs> All right, so back in the office, um, his secretary's there, and she's like, oh, look, it's the hitman. And he's like, say what now? What hitman? There ain't no hitman. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the hitman. Everybody, they turn the lights on, and, oh, it's a party because the newlywed game is, is a, a hit. hit. <laughs> don't do that to a hitman. Bad. <laughs> well, they, they don't, don't know, know he's, he's a hitman. Hit That's why you never want to call somebody a hitman. You never yeah. know. Tony on the side. Nobody likes surprise what parties. What does Tony really do? <laughs> Nobody really likes surprise parties. Tony really takes naps. <laughs> 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 well, we've already established that you're a liar. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And that's fine. And everybody takes naps. Mm. All right. And now, everybody. Plays. So now we. And so, I mean, that's what I hear. So as this party's going on, we see a, a classic scene. For years, this was this was urban legend where this actually happened. We see a short snippet from the Newlywed Game. Oh. And we sorry. see the Helga. Where's the weirdest? Her name is Olga. Olga. <laughs> <laughs> Olga. I must have spelled it wrong and I corrected it to Helga. Olga, where is the weirdest place you've ever felt the need to make whoopee? And she's like, um, what did she say? Carly? Anal. No. no. She says in the ass. She says in the ass. And the husband <laughs> fucking belly laughs like, holy <laughs> shit, she just said that on national TV. And the, they're like, no, we mean a plate. Like the host is like, and he's trying like, to. He's like, no, no, I'll go, I'll go. No, no, like no, a no. restaurant no, bathroom, like, like, a lo- <laughs> like a location. And she's like, oh, back of a Volkswagen. <laughs> back of a Volkswagen, one of uh, yeah, marine science. <laughs> uh, we may be learning something about Tony. <laughs> marine science team. All right, all right. So uh, that's where the fa- guy from Fashion We Mail does it in the back of a Volkswagen. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that now, girl's 15. 15. Trish the dish. Oh, come on, guys. You'd have popped her. Nobody calls her that. All right. So, montage of Chuck and Penny again. And they're living in, like, a little blissful life. They're having fun. Mm-hmm. And we cut back to old naked Chuck in 1981. Because this is the scene that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's filmed for six months, and five of it was this scene. (laughs) (laughs) He recalls his parents' relationship, and he's really afraid to get married. And he doesn't want to commit because his parents didn't have a very good relationship. They're very cold. Yeah. His mother seems to have some issues. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, she does. All right, so we're back on the set of the Newlywed Game. And he's like, I had a theory that anyone would sell out their spouse for a washer-dryer. How does something like that? I really don't believe in the union of marriage. If so, we needed a new washer-dryer, you would encourage me selling you out so that we could win one for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> But I also, I'm not, I'm not one of those, but, I don't get but embarrassed. If you, that but if you both agree that this is what you're going to do to get the washer dryer, mm-hmm. is it really selling the other well, one out? And when you go on this TV show, you expect it's like, hey, yeah. we're going to go on Jerry Springer. You go there looking yeah. for a fight. Yeah, yeah that's going to be some shit. <laughs> like, you're not going there to be like, I love you. Yeah. No, you're going on there. You're getting in a fight. Yeah, it's not Wheel of Fortune or mm-hmm. Jeopardy. So mm-hmm. Chuck and Penny are playing Scrabble. Welcome back to the podcast. These two playing Scrabble. It's never a free makeover. <laughs> Never. All right. See our episode on uh, Hope Float. Hope Floats. Sure. <laughs> we'll just go um, watch Hope Floats. Now I want to watch Hope Floats. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> we I'm have watching, one TV. I'm watching Deadpool 2 then. Okay. All right. So Penny tells Chuck she wants to get married and he's like, look, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get married and he gets married. He feels suffocated. So he leaves and, you know, and he's having, he's almost having like a panic attack. So what does he do? He needs something for his head. So he calls his buddy Jim. So we can go kill somebody. He's like, Jim, I'm having a hard time. You know, I need something. I need something for my head. And he's like, look, here's something for your head. And he gives him an envelope. Hands him a manila folder envelope. But as he meets him in the bathroom stall, he identifies him as Strawberry Dick Barris. Oh. And he's like, how do you know that? (laughs) He's like, you don't need to know. (laughs) All right. So we cut to the dating game where the contestants are off to an exotic date in West Berlin. And they're looking at each other like... (laughs) What? Where? Tony goes, isn't the wall still up? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm. So, oh, better, choking it. Patricia is there to give him the assassination details in beautiful West Berlin. On the job, Chuck comes through. It's West Berlin in the winter. Yeah. Mm. So we cut to Chuck and he's climbing through a wall and he busts out some guy's bathroom who's shaving. And the guy <laughs> looks at him like, hi, hands him some stuff, hands him a gun, a little hat. It's called I Need a Hat. Um, and he says, hey, you're going to meet up with this guy? He calls him. She calls him. Uh, um, he's German. <laughs> we'll say that. He's a German gentleman. Mm-hmm. And so they meet up. They get through. He gets dressed. And they meet up in a car. And they're, you know, they're talking like, like uh, a couple fellas would. And so we see a guy skiing down the streets of West <laughs> Berlin. And East Berlin. We're in East Berlin now. East Berlin. No, he climbed through the wall into yeah, that dude's into, bathroom. So now they are in East into Berlin, East Berlin, which you really don't want to go. But anyway, so we see the gentleman skiing. So our German fellow opens the door, kills him, and is like, "Hold on to this camera phone here, Chuck." <laughs> and he pulls him into the back of the car, and he's choking he's him. He's like, "Chuck, him. Chuck," it, and it's it's Rutger Howard. Yeah. And he's like, "Take a picture." <laughs> and he's like smiling. He's as like, he, "What?" The guy's guy like, "Take a picture, take a picture," and he's murdering him because you know. I'm sure as contract killer, they're into some weird shit. Yeah, just, yeah. There's some things. I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. So the murder goes on as planned, I guess, and the German guy, the assassin, Rutger Howard, drops him off, and you see the guy's skis hanging Still out the hanging side out of the, the car. Window. Um, okay, I already covered that. So we cut to someone telling... Um, 
We got another one of these cameos of the, hey, Chuck used to disappear for weeks on end. No one ever knew who he was. He was just fucking manager. Maybe he was on a cocaine bender. Maybe he was out killing people. We don't know. And he goes to go back to the apartment that he can crawl through the mm-hmm. wall on. And we see that the police have taken this man into custody. Mm-hmm. So Chuck's like, no, bro, you nothing to see here. And fucking runs. <laughs> but no, no. Nay, nay. He gets caught. And he's being held by the KGB. And he's like, wow, they didn't kill me. And the only reason they didn't kill me is because they needed me. They needed me to trade for one of their agents. Oh, so thank you. What? <laughs> I've been messing with it. It's just something to do. <laughs> he has a Fitbit on his foot. I have a Fitbit on my foot and I've been switching feet. It was That's on why I keep his other foot earlier, oh, yeah. I noticed. <laughs> I, I put it on and off with... Hey, man, you do you, man. Do you need to get some steps in? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> no. If I needed to get steps, I would hold it and do this. But I, Does that count? <laughs> it does. So I noticed that I get bored when we're sitting here. So I've been taking my Fitbit and I put it on one foot. And then I put it on the other foot. And I put it on the other foot. With your feet? I, yeah. He's and I kill fidgety. time. Well, I'm also very fidgety, but he's not usually that fidgety. And I kill time. But thanks for bringing it up now for everybody to know. All right. <laughs> Anywho. Um, so it took seven people of, the, of their ages to trade for one KGB agent. And he's like, look. This whole thing will be over. I just got to get past this one guy. I'm out of the killing business. I'm done. And son of a bitch, it's that annoying contestant. Yep. And the worst part is, the girl was in on it too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Son of a bitch, shit. All right. So he's like, all right, fine. That's it. He tells Jim he's going to let. So Jim comes to see him at the house and he's like, hey, what the hell? Jim puts on the radio really loud because, of course, the house is going to be bugged. Yeah. He's like, hey, look, you need to lay low. We don't know what's going on. Some things have gone awry. Some things are bad. We think there might be a mole. We think there might be a mole. Moly, 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 moly. <sighs> Austin Powers for you. I uh, love gold. You want to watch Austin Powers? You don't even like Never. Movies. Yeah, I'm with you. Every once in a while, I'm like, I'm going to watch Never. Austin Powers. I watched the first one. Yeah. I watched the second one. Yeah, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> All right, so then we cut to Los Angeles, 1976, where Chuck is pretty much doing the American Idol thing now. He's sitting there with two other people and they're doing auditions. And a contestant is singing uh, the hammer song. You know, if, if I, I had, had a hammer, 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 hammer. Yeah. I hammer in the morning. So, and he's My like, mom sings that sometimes for no reason. Just like these boots were made for walking. <laughs> That's a good song. <laughs> Maybe she's just a Nancy Sinatra fan. I don't know. No, I think she just, she needs a hammer and she sings that. Yeah. <laughs> so this contestant's not good. And he's like, oh. And he has an idea because he hears a gong in the background. He goes, oh, well, he I imagines got it. killing her. He goes. And then there's a gong noise. He's like, yeah, he does imagine. He, like, he imagines he shoots her in the back. Yeah, and then he's like, what we do is we kill him. And that's the show. He's like, what's the show? The they're gong like, show. They're like, I know that you like this. He's like, no, no, we get bad acts. <laughs> and I used and to love. And then we kill them. <laughs> I used to love the gong show. Like, I would watch a shit of the gong show. I watched show. a little bit of it on USA. Everybody loved the gong. Uh, at that time period, people loved the gong show. And the things that people talk about about American Idol are usually the auditions and the terrible fucking people who think they can sing for American Idol and mm-hmm. that sort of shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, viewership has to go down after they've picked their contestants. Because are people really that invested in Clay Aiken and Kelly Clarkson? No. I doubt it. Well, well only they, Kelly Clarkson I don't know. and... Um, 
I never Carrie watched Underwood it. have really done well. And they're like, oh, well, this guy did this and this guy did Yeah. They may have had, like, a spurt of fame, but that's it. Like, yeah. the, the only those two have really, like, staying power and have become Yeah, usually big. they'll wrap, wrap, from what little I've seen, usually they'll wrap it up in some kind of, like, tragedy or, you know, my dad died and I'm doing this for my dad. You know, there's always some kind of bullshit in these, these things. It's like, okay, man. I have a th- We're not here for that. We're here for hear you sing. <laughs> I have a thing about that because all these... Um, like the, you, the UFC fighters all had the same story too. Oh, yeah. I had it rough. I'm from a single home. I, we were always broke. I'm like, the problem is everybody tells that story. Yeah. And when you hear the same story over and over, it's not impactful anymore. Mm. It may be impactful for you because you maybe you know you grew up broke and you had a yeah. hard time. That's great, but we've heard this story so have. many times. Yeah. It doesn't affect us anymore. In fact, everybody grew up broke and overcame it. So you just doing what everybody else does. It's not that interesting. So you're not the exception. You're the rule. Like, good for you. you. You figured it out. The rule is most of you can overcome your shitty childhood. Yeah, if you try, you can you can get over it. Like, build a bridge. Okay, so anyway. So now we cut the Chuck, who's the host of the Gong Show. Let me get our joke. Ha-ha! If a, if you were, if a guy's wearing... No, wait a minute. Ha, zoop, whoopee. If a guy's wearing a cellophane suit, can people clearly see your nuts? That's a funny joke. I don't know why they didn't laugh. <laughs> I don't know. The way that he, he tells it is pretty funny. They might have put a laugh track in at some point. Mm. I don't know. All right, all the way from... those signs, laugh. Coming all the way from Pacoma, Mick Donnelly. And again, they use the real footage of people singing. And and this guy's just fucking terrible. (laughs) But... uh, It's full 70s garb and everything. Tony thought it looked like, if it's the one I'm thinking of... The dude Noel from the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> oh yeah, until they got close. Yeah, he was like, "Is that Noel?" <laughs> I was like, "No." Then we got close. He was way younger and had uh, rough uh, acne. And we have a, a great line here. We have a voiceover. Who would have known there are so many Americans who were in such a rush to get on TV and make an ass out of themselves? Jeez. People of our generation, we yeah. know. And then I wrote <laughs> dot dot dot. How things have changed. <laughs> Back to Dick Clark, who has, he said he's got a reputation for lowering the bar for television. Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> if he can only see what's going on now. Mm. Like, they have the America's Got Talent shows and all these shows. I'm like, so yeah, they have all of these, like, the hugest shows ever. And I'm like, these shows suck ass. It's people doing dumb shit on TV. None of them are going to be famous for this. You're going to yeah. have two minutes Meanwhile, where... Ryan Seacrest is a yeah. quadrillionaire because of these shows. Because he makes, like, seven Is Ryan Seacrest the modern-day Chuck Bears? Oh, he doesn't make these. Ryan Seacrest yeah, is just Yeah, but he jambos them. He, he does it. Little, he gets... Well, he no, he create, does... He does, he? he does own part of a few we, of them. We don't... He's rich as shit. I mean... From, from those we don't know. Parts. Is he part of the creative process for some of this shit? Or did he just... Because a lot of the shows that he's on are shows like... Um, America's Got Talent was Britain's Got Talent. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's you know, true. They were the shows that were big somewhere else. I mean, Simon Cowell. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Simon he's Cowell is a mon- modern-day Chuck Berry. Yeah, Ryan Seacrest just hosts, and he's a famous host. But he's I don't a, know how big he is in the creative Bigger part. than... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Ryan Seacrest is a um, modern-day... Uh, oh, my God. Dick Clark. Mm-hmm. Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. I, though, I miss Chuck Woolery. We'll be back two, in two, two and two. two. All right. So, all right. Where am I? The gong show takes off and Chuck Barris becomes the last thing he thought he'd be. Famous. So we're at a party at 
uh, uh, we're at a party, and I assume it's the Playboy Mansion from the layout and yes, where we're there, going. There was the, the grotto, I assumed. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, he's going to the grotto. And he says <laughs> Seacrest makes $10 million a year for hosting it. He's worth uh, almost $400 million. Jesus. <laughs> Good for him. He also has like it's, a radio show. It's good stuff. work if you can get it. He's got his hands in like everything, I think. A lot of things, a lot He's of He's working pies. very hard yeah. for his money. Good mm-hmm. for him. Anyway, so uh, Chuck makes eyes with a young lady. She's an attractive young female. She like goes towards the grotto. So they're alone in the grotto. And she says, hey, you're Chuck Barris from the gong show. And he's she like. She unloads a rash of shit on him. <laughs> she's like, you're an evil, vile piece of shit. <laughs> I'm ad-libbing a little bit. She's mm-hmm. been in a few things. And. <laughs> He's like, okay. And he drops his drink and just fucking leaves her. Which, I don't understand this. Like, I'm sure he would get shit on all the time. Famous people get shit on all the time. I don't know. They said in one of the things that he did not deal with the rejection well. Hmm. Or the the criticism. criticism. See, if I was famous, I would look forward to that shit. If it was like, oh, you're great. Like, nah, that kind of sucks. I think a lot of the, like, drinking scenes we we see come after people, he gets criticism. I would say that uh, he probably has... I mean, he obviously has a lot of problems. He either is delusional and thinks he was a contract killer for the CIA, or he, he was actually, actually a contract killer for the CIA. So he's got problems. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's right. that whole thing with his mom. Back to the gong show. And we see it's Gene. Gene, Gene, the dancing machine. And they're out dancing and we get... What I've been waiting for the whole movie, the Sam Rockwell dance number. <laughs> and he's just kind of boogie. It's not really dancing as much as he's just shaking. He's just getting his boogie on. He's, he's, you know, but it's still good. All right, we cut the Chuck at his office, and he gets a call from a friend of his from Berlin. And it's Rutger Hauer, and he's like, hey, um, want to go strangle a guy? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh we learned that the government official guy has been killed. They go and meet for lunch and talk about some things. And this is, a, you know, a little abnormal for Chuck. Chuck's like, yeah, contract killers don't get together and hang out. Mm-mm. So this was a little weird. He's like, I thought I, this might be a hit on me. So I took him to a crowded place I felt safe. And they talk and things go, you know. It was kind of anticlimactic. I thought something would happen here, but never does. <laughs> All right, so then we cut to a woman... In like a dark veil singing happy birthday. And it's just a woman singing it to uh, Chuck. And she's like, did I do it right? And he's like, yeah, that's great. Cut to Penny. And she's eating with Chuck. And we learned that the German guy has killed himself. Parker Howard. He has a name in this, but I don't remember what it is. I didn't write it down. It's like Kissner or Kissler. Kissler. Kessler, Kessler, I Kessler, think. Kessler, Kessler. <laughs> something like that. All right. So now Chuck and Penny are at a restaurant. And he's upset. And he's like, what's going on? I was like, ah, a friend of mine you know, killed himself. And he's upset about it. And he's like, oh. Okay. And he sees Patricia, and he's like, hey, I got to go make a phone call. So, all right. So, okay, great. So, he goes over, and he sees Patricia, and she's like, hey, um, so-and-so is dead. Uh, Kiss, Kissler? Kissler is dead. Kissler, yeah. whatever his name is. He wasn't a suicide. <clears throat> they killed him. And all, now, Penny sees this, and Penny comes over. Also, you were supposed to meet me two hours ago, and you fucking stood me up. <laughs> and people don't do that to me. And Penny comes over, and she sees him talking, and she's like, hi. And she's like, oh, this is Penny. Oh, Penny, hi. I've heard a lot about you. She's like, who is this? Look here, Strawberry Dick. And <laughs> so Patricia calls him Strawberry Dick, and Penny's like, Strawberry Dick. I'm sorry, did I miss something? <laughs> playing around with some flavored loops or something? What's happening here? Which seems like a bit of an overreaction to me. Because they have an open because relationship. Because they have this open They're relationship. They're very on no, no. again, off again. They had an open relationship. That's true, in the beginning. 
in the beginning. We don't know how the relationship has changed. He bought a house and she decorated it. And it, it looks at one point like they're living together, although we find out later that that's not true. She wanted to marry but him. They're... They're kind of... I always saw on again. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're clearly out to lunch. And even if we have the kind of relationship where I'm going to overlook you having sex with other people, I probably am not okay with it impacting my lunch plans. Yeah. (laughs) Impacting my lunch. Like, I don't want to see this over my gardens out. All right. Anyway. So Patricia gets pissed off and stomps off. And Penny's like, hey, look, I'm going to give you one more chance. You get it? And she stomps off too. And Chuck's like... Well, shit. Hmm. And on the gong show, we have an Elvis impersonator singing Can't Help Falling in Love with You, which is our song, honey. You should probably know that. (laughs) (laughs) I am aware. Do we have a song? Make sure I'm off work. (laughs) No, I'm just, if there is one, I don't know about Uh, it. It's it's the Flash Gordon theme song. You're so, he's America. You're so romantic, Carly. Yeah, not really. So, so romantic. Anyway, so as the impersonator sings, Can I Fall in Love With You, we get a montage of Chuck dancing with Penny and with Patricia. These are his two women, and he's and we get the he's torn between these two women kind of deal. But I always see it as he's torn between the two worlds, of the entertainer Chuck and the assassin Chuck. Yeah. Yes. And these two women represent those two worlds. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. I wouldn't, I never would have thought he was in love with Patricia in any way. He, he obviously... He seems to generally care about Penny, although he's never as attached to her as she is attached to him. She actually seems kind of obsessed with him. It's very unhealthy. (laughs) Poor Penny. But I never get the idea that he has any great feeling for Patricia other than she knows about his other life. Mm -hmm. Companion. Yeah. And they bone after he kills people. Yeah. Well, boning's fun. All right, so we cut to Chuck, who's in his office, and he gets a call from Jim that Kessler didn't kill himself and watch out. Just then, we get a station bigwig come in. He's like, hey, Chuck, hate to have to tell you this, but some of your shows aren't doing so good. We're going to have to cancel them. (laughs) Don't shoot me. Just the messenger. So he does finger guns, and he goes, He fakes like he gets hit. Ah. And we cut to Chuck having a drink, and he's like, they canceled him. They went in there, and they killed my babies. And he's talking with a guy, and there's a young lady there as well. He's like, I birthed them through the birth canal of my imagination. And he looks right at this girl, and he's like, what am I going to do now? And she's like, you're going to have sex with me. And so he does. Tony's like, he's got a lot of money, though, right? (laughs) He's got a bunch of successful shows on TV. He's got to be. people for money. He should should have some money, you know? Well, he's got a big-ass house. Mm -hmm. There's that, too. All right, so then we cut to Penny walking into his house, and he's mid-coitus with another woman. And she's like, look, you cannot have women in in our house. And he's like, this is my house. She's like, bullshit. I was here. I helped you decorate it. I sat here for six months waiting for the fucking plumber. This is my house, (laughs) goddammit. Goonie Goo Goo. <laughs> what the fuck is Goonie Goo Goo, Gus? All right. So anyway. So she's a little upset about this other woman. Yeah. She leaves. Um, so he chases her down to, to her apartment. So evidently she doesn't live there. Mm-mm. And and they have, a, they have a, a shared moment. And she's like, hey, look, what am I to you? Where are we going? And it's like, so you tell me you love me? And he's like, yeah, sure. I love you. <laughs> well, in my, like, <laughs> in my way. He says... She's like, do you even want me around? 
<laughs> tell me how tell me that you care about me and he's like well i don't know i don't know how to do that and she's like well if you felt it you would you just open your arms wide and spread them as wide as you can and you'd say i love you this much he's like sure and then he says i love you as much as i'm capable of and then but she's like you love me she's gonna take that tiny little seed (laughs) spoilers it works for her what said spoilers it works it works for her it was weird the way you whispered that as if this was some secret knowledge well the rest of our friends here don't know that yet all right so back at chuck's house we see jim and jim is hanging out by the pool and he's talked to chuck and he says you need to find the mole and you take him out he's like fuck you you do it he's like i don't fit the profile and he's like oh when i do i fit the profile what makes me so damn special and he's like well uh you were you had a twin sister Came out stillborn. You strangled her with your umbilical cord. Your first hit. You were raised as a girl until your, for years until your sister Phoebe was born. Um, your father, the dentist, isn't really your father. Your real father was a serial killer. The fact that your mother didn't know him that she had an affair with him in 1929. He died in the electric chair. So he was born in 30? Sure. Ish. Um, mm-hmm. You're catching me off guard here. I don't have your file in front of me. He's like, look, Jim, I'm out. He goes, look, you're not out. As long as the mole's out there, you're not out. You're going to have to be in, like all the way in like there. So Chuck wants to know how he's supposed to figure out who the mole is. He goes, you're a fairly bright guy, Chuck. He's been calling him a fairly bright guy the entire movie. <laughs> he's like, how do I know that you're not the mole? He, he says, you're a fairly bright guy. Figure it out. And we look down and we see that George Clooney is bleeding in his pool. That's just rude. I was like, what is in the pool? <laughs> Off to spear juice. And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> he came over there. Did, was he like, murdered in Chuck's backyard? Did he come over there already murdered? I think he came over already stabbed, and he's just been bleeding out. And, like, now I'm going to have to deal with a dead body in my backyard? And you fucked up my pool. <laughs> I know, that's rude. If you're going to fucking die, go over to the side. Yeah. Bleed on the grass. They didn't have the good chemicals they do nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> you had to drain the pool. Yeah. All right, so... So Chuck leaves because he was in a row. He's going to he, have to have, ask Hugh Hefner what he puts in that grotto. <laughs> Strong stuff. <laughs> Chuck goes to his office and he's in a row. He looks like he's having what's known as a breakdown because, well, mm-hmm. he's a little... People are trying to kill him. So we're on the set of the gong show. He puts on his suit again and he's hesitant to come out and he doesn't want to and he's feeling like an immense paranoia and you see the unknown comic is there and he's like... Hey, who are you? He pulls a fucking gun on him. He's like, who are you? Why are you here? And Take he, the paper bag off. And they call him out and he comes out. And he's like, hey, all right. And does his thing. But he's not really Chuck. He's not Chuck like he was a minute ago. He's like sweaty and trying to figure mm-hmm. out who wants yeah. to kill him. <laughs> so we cut the Chuck to Chuck's mother. Um, and she's treating him like a girl. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're going to be a pretty mommy when you grow up. And was like, uh-huh. Got him in a dress. Then we cut to him killing people. Then we cut back to his mother singing happy birthday in that same dark veil. Like he had that mm-hmm. other woman mm-hmm. in. I would assume she was a prostitute, but may, probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it said in the subtitles that the prostitute was singing in that scene. Okay, there the we girl. go. Because we watch it with the subtitles. <laughs> okay. And I was like, prostitute? <laughs> sure, I guess you'd hire a prostitute to sing Maybe happy birthday. Maybe he didn't want to take the chance that one of the interns he banged down at the gong show would tell everybody <laughs> that Chuck has this weird thing where you have to put a veil over your head and sing him happy birthday. 
<laughs> Maybe. I mean, yeah. if you got a weird thing, get around. If you got a weird thing, you gotta keep that. So all those flashbacks go on, and then we cut back to Chuck, who's still on the set of the Gong Show, but now he's just like, "Come on, come and get me, take me now, come on." And I can imagine everybody there like going, "The fuck is going with Chuck?" Yeah. I think somebody broke Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> like Tony, go get him. <laughs> like that blonde lady that's in between that seems mm-hmm. all happy maybe she should just run the show <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. let Vanna run the show for tonight yeah. <laughs> alright so anyway um, we cut back to 1981 because it's Tommy's favorite scene and he's writing a note to Penny you know saying explaining all this is, but earlier she mentioned hey how'd you find me she's like well you wrote me a note on you know hotel stationery this is that note Mm-hmm. And, we, and so now he's there and he cuts off the beard he shaves and he gets everything all nice and pretty and he's like alright I'm out and he goes to see Patricia and they bone down because sure that's what they do yeah that's what they do and they talk about Nietzsche because mm-hmm. sure why yeah. not you gotta do something afterwards mid postcards um, and they're talking about how hey you know we're gonna get a new life well, just Boston's good. Or was it no Maine or something like that? They go we're up in Boston. They go up north yes. somewhere. They're in Boston. They're like, look at that skyline. Hey, look, it's we nice. can start over. And so she goes and makes some tea. Because he says, Chuck says they always wanted to be somebody who would say the thing that lesser people would, lesser man would quote. But he is the lesser man. Mm-hmm. And then she says, you know, you hear about all those people. They're always saying, what is it? They're always saying they're Jesus or the devil, but nobody says is Bob from thinks, insurance yeah. When you have a breakdown. Yeah. And uh, everybody was in a past. Well, in a past life, I was Joan of Arc. Of course yeah. you were. And then she's saying we could start over and you could be Bob the insurance adjuster and I could mm-hmm. be your wife and yeah. we could just be normal so I just people. say crazy people never ask if they're crazy. <laughs> so uh, she makes tea and... All of a sudden, he drinks a tea, and he's got that, that. His tongue's about to get slow. And he's having a hard time talking. And then he falls down, and we find out, <gasps> Patricia's the mole. What? And she talks about how she killed Jim, and she killed Kessler. She killed and Kessler, and it made a great photo. Yeah. Because that was his she thing. Got, he took yeah. the photo. <laughs> she's like, I got a great shot of it. But she almost botched Jim. Don't farm out a job. You should do yourself. And she said mm-hmm. that Jim thought you were the mole. Can you believe that? <laughs> they were going to kill you. All right, so um, he's standing there, and he's starting to shake, and she's like, oh, look, hey, you wrote me a letter, and you, look at this, and it's your handwriting, and look, it reads like a suicide note. Here, hold on to this. I saved everything. And, he, and all of a sudden, he's like, oh, oh. She drags him to the bathroom because she was hoping that it wouldn't take effect that fast. Mm-hmm. And then we see that he's dead. Mm-hmm. No, no, nay, nay. Whoops. We see her face. She's like, uh oh. I got a little rumbly in the tumbly. She and she's having the, the reaction. And we see Chuck stands up and he's like, gotcha, bitch. Boom. Um, so now we cut back and we see that she poisoned the tea and put a little sugar cube on the tea. Walked over to the bed, put it down, and gave him the tea. Um, so then he switches. Just the sugar cube as she gets her, you know, her gaze away. And then she gets his gaze away, sees the sugar cube is now in front of her, switches the entire tray, putting the poison in front of her. He left the poison in front of himself. He must be Sicilian. Mm. There's no other <laughs> Classic blunder. I cannot drink the tea in front of me. <laughs> He's got to be Sicilian. No other way. All right. So 
He watches there and he grabs a, a, a book and a pen and writes no love and puts it under her and puts the pen in his hand and wipes down the apartment and he leaves. Yep. How do uh. you like those apples? <laughs> do you like apples? <laughs> well, I got a number. All right. So we cut to Chuck at his typewriter and he's finishing up his story. Uh, he's wearing a powder blue tuxedo and he finishes it and takes off and he starts dancing. Another, mm-hmm. oh my God, Sam Rockwell's dancing in the movie. Yeah. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> and the name of his autobiography is Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And we see that he gets married to Penny and he drives off. That officiant. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. I was there. like, can we stop talking about his accomplishments? Yeah. It's his wedding. It's not what we're here for. He's not winning a Lifetime Achievement yeah. Award. He's getting married. Retirement watch. <laughs> so he marries Penny and they drive off and he tries to confess to her that he's a contract killer. And yeah. she laughs it off like, get the fuck out of here. And we get a voiceover. Um, he's got an idea for a new show. It's called The Old Game. Three guys on stage with loaded guns. They look back at their life, things they've done, things they haven't done. The one who doesn't blow his brains out is the winner. He gets a refrigerator. That's fucking dark. With a boomch. And we cut to and we see a picture of the real Chuck Barris. And we get the credits. Closed over by Rosemary Clooney. There's no business like show business. Mm-hmm. Movie. What'd you think? Carly, it's your <gasps> birthday. You get to go first. Oh, All snap. Right. Let's put the birthday person last. Birthday person goes first for me, okay? <laughs> because I don't want anybody to steal her thunder. Yeah, I don't have a lot of thunder. Um... <laughs> I had a hard time with the favorite and least favorite character. Because, spoiler alert, I enjoyed the movie. So it's oh, going good. to be a gay. Yay! However, that doesn't mean that I super loved any of the characters. Unlikable <laughs> protagonist. So I'll go with Chuck for my favorite character, but it's really only because of Sam Rockwell. It's not because the character is any It's hard good. to not like Sam Rockwell. Even though he's a terrible piece of shit killing people and... Hurting girls' hearts. And I'll Still go with um, Julia Roberts as my least favorite character. Not because she did a bad job, but she was the mole. I mean, I, I don't know. Because you have to have the mole. You know, like, it's one of those things. where I just was like, I don't know who to pick for either of these. My favorite scene was the assassin training. I enjoyed that. I thought it was funny. My favorite tertiary object... Um, I put two in case somebody took mine. So, you don't have to worry about that. That's why you uh, go first your birthday. <laughs> I will go with, though, the first one that I chose, which when he's with the first girl who thinks she's pregnant and he comes home and says he got fired, the wallpaper in that oh, apartment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like weird squares and spots all over it. It was enjoyable. And my favorite line is, I don't know what was worse, that I was duped by that fat fucking bachelor or that it took seven of us to replace him. And like I said, I would give it a yay. yay. I enjoyed this movie. It's kind of a downer, but <laughs> but it's enjoyable. It's drama. Yeah. That's the, that's the hard part about having drama as a genre. A lot of them are downers. <laughs> and I don't usually want to have downer episodes, but... But it's just, it's not down so far that we can't talk about it without it being a light conversation, you know? But it was enjoyable. Tony? Um, let's see. My favorite character was Barris, Sam Rockwell. Least favorite character is Penny. Didn't care for her. 
My favorite line is uh, when George Clooney's character first meets Sam and he's <coughs> trying to convince him to uh, be a killer. He's like, look, uh, you're 32 years old. Jesus Christ was dead and risen again by 33, so you, you better get busy. He's just cracking. Better get cracking. Better get cracking, that's what it was. <laughs> better get cracking. My favorite scene is when uh, Rucker Howard strangles the dude and then takes a pic, gets Barry to take a pic of it, because I thought that was funny as shit. Take a picture. And my favorite tertiary object is Sam, or Barris's, uh 70s pad, or 60s pad, whatever it was. This little house is pretty cool. Um, I'll yay the movie. I don't know if it's everyone's cup of tea, because it's, it's, you know, it's a thinker. You gotta <laughs> pay attention. You can't, you know, you drift, there drift through this movie. But I liked it. I thought it was cool. So when Rucker Howard was killing people, you gotta bring that to the photo mat. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know. I was or like, developed, the photo mat? Let's not develop that. Probably, probably develops that at home. Yeah. yeah. One would hope that you're not gonna murder someone and drop it off to the fat guy who goes <laughs> to the police academy. Yeah. Elaine? Um, so my favorite character is a tie. I really like Jim, but Chuck is Sam Rockwell, who's really great, so it, it's a tie. My least favorite character was very hard, because I don't actually think any of them are, well, they're all kind of bad people, but they're not necessarily bad characters. This is so I picked. <laughs> so I picked Simon Oliver, which was the boss, mm. because he's kind of a douchebag. Uh, my favorite scene is uh, the murder of Patricia. Mm-hmm. I just really like... It's very atmospheric and very well shot, and I just really like it. My favorite tertiary object is Brad Pitt and Matt Damon. <laughs> that was what, That was my Fair. other choice. I had a backup as well. <laughs> you could have picked... But, you could have picked one. You could have picked the other. All right, you get Matt Damon, you get Ben I had a backup, ben but I really just like You get that. Ben Affleck, yeah. And my favorite line... <laughs> no. no. That was Brad Pitt. Whatever. My favorite line is, think of it as a hobby, something you do to relax. You're an assassination enthusiast. I almost picked that. That was my backup. <laughs> and um, I'm going to yay this movie. I think that... I think it's the kind of movie that makes you think because after you watch it it's a well-made movie with the interesting interesting people but then you really have to consider do you think that he was delusional yes do you think he just wrote like he you know that he was an assassin or do you think that it was completely fictional and he just made it up because he thought it would be funny Or he had serious mental issues and thought he was yeah. killing people. Yeah, like, was he delusional? Minutes. Was it a joke? Was it true? Because you kind of have to think of... Or Enemy. It's kind of like Enemy, yeah. where the guy just has a break and doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but nobody's fucking spiders in this movie. No, nobody's fucking spiders. <laughs> That's true. Well, you got that going. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely worth an interesting movie. Okay. Well, my favorite character is Jim, Jim Bird, mm-hmm. because I liked him. I do. I almost picked Sam Rockwell, but I was like, ah, he's kind of an asshole. Yeah, it's kind of tough. So, my least favorite character. They're all kind of assholes. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> my least favorite character is Debbie, um, Maggie Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. because I work in television. That's that had sex with him. I'm like, all right, that's weird. And mm-hmm. I really had a hard time picking a least favorite character because everybody is really good in this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite scene. Is the um, Can't Help Falling in Love with You montage. Aw. Because um, I love that song because it's our song, honey. Aw, thanks. <laughs> oh, you mean. <laughs> uh, my favorite object is Chuck Barris's top hat. Mm-hmm. 
Either one will do. Because he had one when he was the host of the Gong Show and one when he got married. Because he just, he pulls that fucking thing off. Mm-hmm. It's like Ted Mosby in the red boots. Yep. <laughs> and my so favorite, like you and your driving shoes. Me and my driving shoes. It's like, and my favorite line is, when you were young, your potential is infinite. You might do anything, really. You might be Einstein. You might be DiMaggio. Then you get to an age where what you might be gives way to what you have been. You weren't Einstein. You weren't anything. That's a bad moment. Mm-hmm. It's very dark. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my favorite line because it's like, oh, when you're young, you can do anything. And when you're, when you're older, older, you realize you're like, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't do anything. But, hmm. And I will yay this movie because um, I picked it for Carly's birthday. And why would I give her a shitty movie for her birthday? Yeah, it's not like you're killing <laughs> Speaking of How I Met Your Mother, did you see they're doing a reboot? Yeah, yes. How I Met Your Father? Yeah. With Hilary Duff? Yeah. What? No, I did not hear about that. I'm going to give it a shot because why not? I really like that show. I'm open to giving anything a shot. Everybody really. shit on the ending, but I was like, no, that made sense. It made it's sense. It's the only now. way the whole show made sense. Like, yeah, of course it was all about Robin. I, I didn't have a problem with the ending. Like, no, it should have been the mother the whole time. No, the whole show had nothing to do with the mother. Of course it was yeah, about Robin. I was just sort of watching it, like, you know she's dead. Like, why else would your fucking kids want to hear this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway. I don't care how you met my mother. <laughs> Carly? All right. Please find us on Facebook.com slash the underappreciated movie podcast on Twitter at unmoviepodcast. On Instagram at unmoviepodcast.com. You can email unmoviepodcast at gmail.com. And tune in next week. On the podcast. For Tony's pick. Oh, shit. I got to pick a movie. For Carly's birthday, I know she's a big um, Jane Austen fan, so I picked. You picked Little Women, Pride and Prejudice, and Zombies. (laughs) (laughs) Which I've read the book, but I have not seen the movie. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. (laughs) Please tell me that's available somewhere. How do you spell Prejudice? P-R-E-J-U-D-I-C-E. You don't need to it's say it like it's that. On it's prejudice. <laughs> I, look, I am a terrible speller. You didn't need to say it all condescending like. 2016. <laughs>